On August 1st, we're giving away a Pizel Shadow, a 6-0 Pizel Shadow shaped for John John Florence. This was a custom made for John John that he traded in. It's been ridden by John John Florence, shaped by John Pizel, and it can be yours. We give these surfboards away to our uh, supporters. So you could set up your support on surfsplendorpodcast.com. It's $5 a month. Think of it as a subscription to a magazine back in the day. This allows us a foundation of revenue for our business that we can rely on, run the business on, plan on, map around. And as a thank you for those of you that do it, we like to give away surfboards and promote board builders who we know and love. So Pizel was kind enough to contribute one of his trade-ins from John John, and uh, it can be yours. I would love to have this. I don't even have this, but it can be yours. We're going to randomly select a name among our supporters on August 1st. So if you already support, you are automatically already entered to win, as you will be in all future giveaways. But if you don't support us and you want to get in on this, you got to get your support in before the final minute of July Pacific Standard Time, and then we will draw that winner on August 1st. All right, best of luck to you all, and thank you so much for all of the support. Between roping J-Bay, Mutant Chopu, and the Freight Training Malaya, this last week. If you aren't jonesing to get on a plane and go get barreled somewhere, then you perhaps have just become way too complacent and you really need to reevaluate everything. In fact, that's evidence that you need to plan a trip just to reset your values. And waterwaystravel.com is all that you need. Well, I guess you'll need boards and trunks, but waterways can even advise on which boards to bring and how many. Because Sean and his small team at Waterways has actually been to the location countless times. They've surfed it on a variety of conditions. And they also have a team of experts on the ground to ensure that you score and that you're comfy. And amazingly, this level of service and expertise isn't just for one location on the planet. Sean's been at it since 1994. So he will get you dialed in anywhere from Central America to South Africa, Sumatra, the Maldives, Fiji, Bali, Mexico, Peru, and more. Go to waterwaystravel.com, click on destinations, go ahead and click around, find something for any budget, and stop fantasizing, stop drooling over Instagram clips. You can go to the spots that you've always dreamed of, and Waterways will ensure that you score when you do. So waterwaystravel.com, travel intelligently and enjoy. And wherever you end up traveling, you're going to need a pair of trunks, and better yet, upper body sun protection in and out of the water. And it would be best if those items were North Shore proven. Florence Marine X just dropped a new batch of utility UPF tops. So long sleeve hooded, long sleeve without a hood, and short sleeve. And what is UPF, you ask? UPF is ultraviolet protection factor. So these are multi-purpose shirts with built-in sun protection. Multi-purpose means, of course, in and out of the water. So along those lines, they have breathable panels, antimicrobial fabric, and they are rated at 30 to 50 UPF to help protect you from the sun and endure all conditions. Again, North Shore tested. So grab some board shorts, grab a UPF top, grab whatever you need for your next outdoor adventure on FlorenceMarineX.com and enjoy.
continuing our mini-series focused on founders, people who are creating products that simultaneously service and contribute to surf culture. Today, we bring you a conversation with Jeff and Ryan Hurley. It goes probably without needing to be said that their surname became recognized globally through the early 2000s, emblazoned across clothing, wetsuits, and surfboards. More than a brand, Hurley was a message, a microphone for the youth. And within three years of founding the company, it was sold to Nike for an undisclosed sum. And the Hurley business, with the family firmly at the helm, went into overdrive. It was all the result of their father's big gamble, leaving a top position at a major company to start something from scratch. It's a story that I'll actually let Jeff and Ryan tell. And it's also a story that very poignantly they have replicated in their own careers. Their story starts with a big, perilous exit and the chance to refocus their career to align around a value system and to work with people that you enjoy. So again, I'll let these guys tell it. And it was actually my first time hearing it directly from them. So I'm glad to be able to share it with you. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Ryan and Jeff Hurley, co-founders of Kandui Holdings. All right, boys, welcome to the show. Thank you. You are welcome. It's yeah. great to be on the show. Great yeah, to be here us. at Kandui HQ. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, I'll give you obviously a proper introduction and post so we yeah. can kind of just roll into casual conversation. Okay. Um, yeah, like how are we going to know who's who? I know. Okay, we should do that, right? Yeah. Okay, whose voice is that that they're hearing? This is Ryan. Okay. Ryan, what's your last name? How My name you? is Ryan Hurley. This is Ryan speaking. And Jeff Hurley. This is Jeff speaking. Okay. <laughs> Jeff. You sound the same? Pull, no, you don't actually. Okay. Pull your mic a little bit closer. I'll cue people in maybe as. Uh, Good to identify the for the listener. It is. Who, you know. It is. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, I'm curious, how old are you, how old are you both? And then um, what was your dad doing professionally? Because like we have an awareness of your dad. Where did you come into the picture in our awareness of him in his professional career? Was he with Bill Bong at the time? Go ahead, yeah. Jeff. Okay, I'll go. Yeah, so <laughs> so I think I'll answer your question by giving the whole sort of timeline. So Excellent. Our dad, Bob, was a surfboard shaper when we were growing up. Hurley surfboards. Um, made some of the best surfboards around here. Made surfboards for a bunch of uh, touring pros and Kind of thought he was going to be a surfboard shaper for his life, I assume. In 1983, he wanted to carry, uh, well, there's these guys showing up from Australia wearing these shorts that were kind of longer while everyone else is wearing these short shorts, and they were kind of these punk rock shorts. That was uh, Billabong shorts. Mm -hmm. He had a tiny little surf shop up in Costa Mesa and wanted to carry, I think he wanted to carry like a dozen of those shorts in his store contacted the guys in Australia and Bill, at Billabong. They're like, no, we're not going to sell you a dozen, but we'll sell you, I think it was like 3,000. And like, what the heck am I going to do with 3,000? Yeah. I don't have money shorts. to buy all those shorts. It's a lot of shorts. Yeah. Totally. So got some, uh, got some people together, some friends and family, and, you know, 
whoever could pitch in and bought 3,000 pairs of board shorts and figured out how to sell them. That, that turned into him running Billabong USA um, for 16 years, 83 to 99, and then started Hurley. So right when he decided to give back the license of Billabong, which was a thriving business, and start his own new startup, which a lot of people would say was crazy. I would say it was crazy, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, Billabong was doing really well at the yeah. time as a as a global brand, you know? Yeah. So it, it had developed quite a bit. And Let me dig yeah. into that a little bit. Yeah. Why? Why did he do that? Well, I think of what was going on in the world at that time in the late 90s. So for context, um, the Billabong brand, it, it was doing well. At the same time, there was um, a lot of information was being shared amongst the next generation that was growing up in the late 90s. And you had things like Vans Warp Tour was, was coming on the scene. You had this digital age of Y2K, and no one knew what that meant. But what was happening was these silos of sport were starting to break down a little bit, which was spawning sort of a youth culture movement where you would have go to Vans Warped Tour, you'd see vert ramps and punk rock music and artists and musicians and athletes all kind of participating in culture in a pretty unique way. And there was and there was brands serving that. And I think and I think part of the vision that our dad was having was like, man, if someone just really embraced this concept of of providing these kids with a platform to be expressive, um, that felt like something that was getting him really excited. And so he had um, a vision um, of this idea of like microphone for youth. Let's create a platform for for kids to to be creative. Mm. And Billabong was growing into a fairly mature surf brand. And I think what he was seeing was, I don't want to be just a surf brand because it doesn't feel like that's where the kids are going right now. Gotcha. Feels like they're cross pollinating, um, moving across sports with ease, moving across culture with ease, and. Um, you know, there was a shift happening in the world. And I think that was just the timing was sort of just right. So in launching Hurley, we were friends um, with a couple bands and musicians and artists that were just just coming on the scene. Blink-182, Black Eyed Peas um, both played like an opening party for Hurley. And it was just like they were exploding right at the same time the brand was starting and they're wearing our logo. And it's like, just kind of struck lightning right there. That's huge. And, and you know, that that ultimately provided a lot of visibility in launching the brand and, and ultimately f aligned with the brand premise of this is sort of a new movement that's happening. What, um, how old were you guys in 1999? So I was, uh, I would have been 22, just finishing college okay. in 99. And Ryan's 17. Younger, yeah, I was 17 yeah. at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I mean... It's scary too. Um, I mean, obviously your dad, he had a great idea, but he has kids at home that he's raising and sending to college. It's a bad time to <laughs> yeah. do something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Any, any, any reasonable person would have said, you're crazy. Don't right. do this. Yeah. Or. Yeah. You got a good business going. Yeah. Or take it back to Billabong and figure out how to make it work for Billabong. Yeah. That's sure, the other. Yeah. Yeah. Op, you know, yeah. Option. So, and you know, so there was a good relationship there and it was like, okay, the terms of the license arrangement are up we're going to do something different. Mm -hmm. And, and ultimately he did something different. And the team that was there at the time was really talented and really good. And, um, you know, they, they put that vision together and created sort of a new movement. And there was a lot of great partners in the industry that were willing to support the brand and, uh, help it get launched. And 
um, you know, it, it, it did really well its first year, did twice as good its second year. Okay. And then year three, it was like, okay, you know, we've leveraged our house. We've been broke owning these brands. Like we want to take this brand to the next level globally. Let's partner up with a brand that's already doing that. Gotcha. Ultimately, that's where the um, connectivity into Nike came in. Gotcha. Uh, let's back up a little bit. Go more into family dynamics, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I would think your dad's very busy with Billabong. I would think launching a new company is busy. How much, uh, how did he manage the time that he spent with you guys? And then secondly, and equally importantly, is um, I want to be successful so I can provide a bunch of resources for my kid and make his life more comfortable. Sure. Uh-huh. However, I also realize <laughs> that might be inhibiting his own development. Like struggle is good for him and figuring things out is good for him. Yeah. And so how did he kind of navigate that where, sure, you guys can come work for the company and you'll, or instill work ethic in you and mm-hmm. make you guys figure out how to do it on your own. How did he navigate all of that? Yeah, we, we may have different experiences on that. So <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, so maybe I'll go first. And, you know, we, we both probably have different experiences, as Ryan said, as we have a, you know, doesn't seem like an age gap now. Well, maybe it does for you, not for me, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I get older, but right. at, least, at least mentally, I don't know, whatever. But, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, you hear things like work-life balance and this, and I, I think he would, I think our dad would say this, and I have this philosophy, is like, that's, that's kind of like if you have a job you don't like. like mm, okay. And, and I mean, depending on the circumstances. For us, our family and work, we're all very close. And, you know, f- examples are when we were kids growing up in a really small three-bedroom, one-bathroom house, all summer long, our house, we had pro surfers staying with us. You know, Aki, Sonny Garcia, uh, <laughs> Shane Haran, <laughs> like rabbit Bartholomew mm-hmm. and you know that that's when we were you know they're staying in Ryan and I's room that we shared mm-hmm. and so from an exposure to kind of just there's business pro surfing just exposure to that world at a young age for us was one thing that really shaped my like just view or perception of the world you know I had a time where I was kind of trying to be a pro surfer and then some of that shaped me to be able to honest with myself and go, I'm not going to be one of the top guys. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going, you know, we started Hurley and had the decision to go, cool. I'm going to start a a real job as I would call it versus chasing a, you know, pro surf dream. And that was shaped for sure by our upbringing, you know, and exposure to just what that, the whole scene or our world looks like. Right. So whether it's that or being a part of business, um, growing up, you know, summers pulling orders in the warehouse, um, you know, um, helping out wherever it can. So, I, yeah, our dad did a great job of involving us, um, also sharing uh, sharing what's going on, you know. Like, it's not like, oh, work stays here, you know, family life at home. It's like they're pretty blended in a good way, not in a, like, why are you bringing work home and you're always on the phone and you never talk to us. Right. Like, right. you know. Um, grow up in it and it's healthy yeah he, he still sent you to college though or you still wanted to go to college i did i had a weird i, I thought i was going to be one of the weird guys the only other guy that i know did this there may be one other was uh jeff booth i know he went to college and then was on tour and so that was kind of <laughs> my plan okay 
right when I was graduating college, I also got, I got married in my last year of college and inspired by my parents who were married early and had kids early, had like, hey, I just had this, I want to start a family early was, you know, in my mind. Uh, literally right when I was graduating college is right when we started Hurley. And, um, you know, I had helped out there, worked there throughout, you know, my teenage years. And then it was like, hey, we kind of need a team manager guy. And I'm like, perfect. I'll do that. You know, like, cool. so it was kind of like, cool, I could be surf team dude slash sort of pro surf dude. It was like a nice transition for me. And was, again, back to that awareness of my own potential as a pro surfer was like, sick, I can kind of do both for a little bit. And I'm got a real job, want to start a family. What did you study in school? I studied business. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I also went to school at Point Loma. So I, I pretty much, I would say it's surf camp. Yep. Um, so I gotcha. mostly studied surfing. But <laughs> I did, I did attend <laughs> class. I yeah, wasn't, yeah. But and I graduated. <laughs> and, but uh, what was your experience, Ryan? Well, your, you know, Jeff, Jeff has a much more um, on the right track mm. uh, approach to adolescent slash adulthood than I did. <laughs> um, mine was a little bumpier, but I would say, you know, I pulled out of school early. I didn't really like the whole concept that high school took four years. <laughs> I was like, there's no way this takes four years. There's no way I could do this in four a few years, hours. Four years now goes by so quick. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, look, in high school, it felt like it felt the like longest an stint ever. Right. And I, now four years just goes by in a blink. It's it, crazy. It's felt like an eternity. Yeah. I mean, it it literally to me, uh, I had a hard time with traditional schooling, and and you know, I was the kind of kid I'd do well on the test, fail, you know, not do the homework. I get an me A too. on the paper, and me too. the homework, I'm just like, there's no way I'm sitting down doing this. This is remedial. <laughs> Yeah. Just ask me the questions. I'll give you the answer. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, it sounds like you kind of had the same, yeah. same approach. Um, Pat O'Connell. Pat O'Connell's here. Hey. Come on in, buddy. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hey, how are you live? It was so fun. Yeah. Oh, we live. Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> You're good. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, my path as a teenager, you know, I, the formal schooling thing was hard for me. I didn't, I didn't like that we were all learning at the same pace, and um, I, I got pretty bored and ended up testing out, you know, fairly fairly early. Um, worked a few odd jobs. I was always working kind of in the in the warehouse at, uh, you know, Billabong slash Hurley. I was, you know, there was a there was a woman by the name of Leanne Murray who was heading up design at Billabong and then eventually Hurley that would pull me into design reviews even when I was working in the warehouse. And just kind of asked me what I thought. I was a teenager. Gotcha. And that exposed me to a bit of the creative process okay. in the in the you know apparel production, and and uh, I was pretty interested in that. And and um, yeah. And as far as the work life balance thing, you know, at least from my perspective, I would just say it was integrated. And you know, yeah. the we worked with our uncle, you know, our dad's brother Bill. Um, you know, our dad, it was like, you, you know, I, I worked a lot more in the warehouse family <laughs> where it was like a different crowd, mm -hmm. but at the same time it, it was a family business. So family businesses are, doesn't feel like there's work and there's life. It's just, this is what we do. Yeah. So it was much more ingrained and I guess in our family dynamic than 
yeah, separator. That question too that I was trying to get to about like um, how do you instill work ethic in your yeah. kid while still giving them opportunity and resource? You guys witnessed your dad doing it all. And mm -hmm. so I think that instills the work ethic. It's going to be harder for your kids right. yeah. to actually <laughs> develop work ethic in yeah. them. Oh, trust me, it is. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So yeah, I'll ask I mean, you that question again in 20 years so yeah. you can give me advice. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is different. I mean, we saw it, we saw it pretty heavily as an example, but um, I, I would just say it was very, it was very integrated and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was sort of like, yeah, of course you're going to work your butt off because this is what we do. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, sometimes it feels like work and it's very hard work. It's very challenging. It's very dynamic. You got to problem solve all day long. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're passionate about it, you should be relatively obsessed with it. And so, you glad, know, it's a healthy amount of work. obsession. Yeah. Um, so we can go into Hurley's successes if you want. I think a lot of us are aware of them and we witness them happening in real time. I'm, as we kind of uh, lead the discussion to where we are now, I'm yeah. more interested to hear through your Hurley experience and with Nike's involvement and all that, what did you identify as uh, missteps in that growth and that experience and learning experiences for what you're bringing into this? Well, I would say, you know, being, if we had a chance to do it all over again, as far as our integration with Nike, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. It was, it was the best 20 year run ever and at least from my perspective and, and what we got out of it as a brand and as a team. We got to work with some amazingly talented people. I worked a lot on design and innovation and brand. So the extended network of, you know, some of the best people in the world at what they do, you're now a part of, of an insane team across multiple brands, multiple product types. And so for me personally, it'll, it gave me a scope that I didn't previously have. Mm. And so huge learning, um, but getting, you know, getting the opportunity to work on projects that are just fascinating, like the Olympics or, you know, running or, mm -hmm. you know, sports that I didn't really participate in, but I understood, you know, the needs and the solutions of products, which allowed me to connect in with a network of people that are just awesome, awesome people. Yeah. And so there was really great areas like that. And then, um, when we were at our best, we were collaborating in a healthy way like that. And when we were at our worst, it was like things were a little, a little like every brand goes through phases, you know, and, and I think it's like a living, breathing thing. Yeah. And so there's phases in everyone's life where it's like, okay, that period was more of a learning period. That period was like, okay, everything was clicking. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I know your question was missteps. I have a hard time even actually looking at that because like Ryan said, there's a bunch of, Obviously, there's stuff that worked amazing, stuff that you wish would have been different. But big picture, uh, when when Nike acquired Hurley and we partnered with them in 2002, Nike was a nine billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. They they saw their path to growth, or at least a big part of their path to growth, as acquiring new brands. So kind of like, hey, nine billion, Nike's pretty tapped out. Like, we got What are we, how are we going to build this portfolio? You fast forward now, they're nearing $50 billion business. <laughs> Basically, almost all of that <clears throat> on the, with the Nike brand. Mm. And so, you know, us at the tail end of that, it's like, 
oh yeah, Nike, you should focus on your own brand. <laughs> Not like, Makes a lot of sense. Like, why would you, <laughs> like, we're a distraction in that ultimately. Obviously, I mean, a lot of great people connections and synergies and all this, but it, ultimately you're like, you got a $50 billion brand and, you know, yeah, you should probably focus on that. Mm. <laughs> you know, we use this example internally, you know, so you missed, no, I don't know if I'd call it missteps, but struggles, you know, as we were, you know, we would, as we're part of this big thing, we're fighting for dollars, you know, whether it's marketing budget or whatever, right? And so, you know, for us to go, hey, Nike, would you, uh, you know, we want to invest in this. And like, I'll ask you, David, if you were going to buy it, if you had a million bucks, you're going to invest in a uh, Nike running store or a new Hurley store. Right. Pretty easy. I mean, even if you believe in yeah. that, you're like, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, same, I think same as Ryan, nothing but uh, gratitude and uh, yeah, just super stoked on that partnership. I think for the, for business-wise, also just personally and then setting us up where we're where we are now it's like that experience with with nike is pretty cool <laughs> got it yeah so i think that kind of explains um your telling of that explains why hurley was then sold by nike i suppose and what was your guys decision to leave at that point yeah i think um you know there came a point in time where it felt like okay our dad you know along with his brother and a few other people really stewarded this Hurley brand to a good spot, integrated it with Nike. What's going to be our, what's going to be our kind of legacy? And it felt like we had a strong vision to acquire the brand back um, and go through that whole process. Ultimately, in the end, it ended up not working out. Got it's it. a competitive process, and you know it's weird because it's our name. Yeah. So it's hard to walk away from that. Uh, but ultimately, it led us to a new opportunity to do something different. And, you know, we've along the similar lines of, man, COVID, COVID was happening right after the deal didn't work out for us. Um, and it was about to go a different direction. And we ended up in a spot where we're figuring out what we were going to do professionally, you know, couldn't afford to retire yet. So got to work. Mm -hmm. um, pretty passionate about the space and, and, you know, working with people and doing something new. And ultimately that led us to the concept for what we're doing now, which is our Kandui platform. Was there an opportunity to stay with the new ownership at Hurley? No. Okay. No, it just, it, you know, different business model than, yeah. than what we had. And, you know, I think there was probably going to be some fundamental misalignment there. Gotcha. So then, uh, what was the initial concept for Kandui? As you guys kind of got out of that yeah. and you're looking at the future, what was the concept? Where did you see gaps in the market? What did you want to do? Yeah, well, not too dissimilar from, you know, the founding of Hurley in the in the late '90s was, you know, there's been a shift in the market, you know, again, and it does feel like modern, you know, this modern generation is moving across sports and brands with ease from different kind of sports silos. And for us, we're like, okay, that's interesting. Like the, the silos of yesterday are now broken down. Like the whole world is relatively integrated when it comes to brand experiences and products. Everyone's competing with everybody because people are using products for everything. So Kandui was really born out of um, 
can we put a concept together that is new where we're onboarding and incubating new brands to serve this next generation? And, you know, our strength is brand building, product innovation, marketing, and sales. So let's do what we're good at. Let's look at some opportunities out there that we feel like we can connect the dots on. And we're inspired by portfolio-led um, groups. like The Disney group It's probably one of the better examples of here's multiple properties that that create different types. Um, so, you know, for us, this vision of Kanduwi was really born out of um, an opportunity with John Florence, which was um, immediate. He became a free agent after the new owners took over Hurley. So one, it's like, okay, John Florence is available. He's a free agent. What's he going to do? And then two, a mutual friend of ours had the IP for a brand called Simple, which we remembered and knew and loved. And those two things happened at the same time. And it was like, okay, our vision for Kanduwi and these two opportunities right now feel like we can put this together and get a team going and and really start, you know, putting this concept into a proof of concept. So you didn't have a lot of time off. No. We didn't. We, it's so funny because... <laughs> Not this, really. Yeah, this all happened. It was like when the Hurley was sold or at least announced to be sold and we were out was like mid-November of 2019. And myself, Ryan, our brother-in-law, Chance, and a you know, very small group of us started talking about what we we're going to do next. And we kind of had this plan to like, well, gosh, we've been working hard for a while. It's been a, honestly a draining year. Like yeah. it's holiday time. Let's just wait till the new year and then let's talk about if we mm. want to do something or not. I think like a week later we were <laughs> we were back to work. Yeah. So <laughs> which also everything was happening remotely at that time too. So it yeah, was just yeah. like we're literally just on Zoom calls all day long between, you know, uh, financing and setting up deal concepts and and structuring things and all that kind of stuff. So we went from lining up financing for a previous acquisition of Hurley to that not working out. Now it's like a new venture, setting yeah. up new properties, the whole the whole deal. Um, a lot of computer time. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about uh, both brands. Let's start with Florence. Um, what was John John's? You said John John's a free agent. Yeah. So, so was he already conceiving of a brand? Was it your guys' concept that you pitched or what? How did that work? Well, John... As John being a free agent, we had worked with him for, you know, a pretty good chunk of time. You know, Pat O'Connell, you know, signed the deal with John to Hurley um, for a pretty extended period. And and when that basically dissolved and, you know, they both separated their, you know, went their different ways, John's now sitting there. And, and of course, every brand wants to give John John an offer. I mean, he's he's John. He's, he's the man. <laughs> so... So through that process, we were just kind of helping him out because we'd worked together um, for, what, seven years or something? Something maybe? like that, yeah. Yeah, we'd worked with John for a while, so there was a mutual trust, um, and we felt like we had context into the industry um, because we pay attention to what's going on in, in the market and with brands, et cetera. So we approached John, and, and we're kind of helping him navigate the deal process, just just kind of just as a, as a friend, you know? people that are looking out for him. Ultimately, we kind of were like, it doesn't feel like John Florence signing with a brand that's out there right now is the best move. That's just what it felt like. It was a gut check for us, and we talked about it. Um, you know, Jeff and I talked about it quite a bit, and we just kind of lobbed the concept out there, and there was a couple of phone calls. Jeff was 
you know, talking with John's camp quite a bit and man, just, just let them know if they ever want to talk about doing anything. You know, if John really wants to like do something different, now might be a good time. And we could be, we could, we could run a brand for him that he founded that is his vision and execute on it. And so eventually, yeah, we met up, we put the concept in front of him and he was super involved, super energized and was like, yeah. We were talking about it on air a lot in that transition um, before it was announced. Yeah the Florence Marine X. And it was like, what would be the perfect brand for John? And we're throwing out names and it's like, none of them really fit perfectly mm -hmm. because in surfing, these personalities grow to a level that um, they're as big as the brand yeah. essentially, or bigger than, you know, when Kelly left Quicksilver, there was a realization of what can Quicksilver really provide for Kelly at this point that he can't either provide for himself or their, his alignment with them might actually inhibit him yeah. from exploring what he could explore otherwise and so that's really how i felt with john yeah it's like yeah you were on it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Look at, i mean yeah. look at what nike did with jordan yeah that's what quicksilver didn't do with kelly right exactly it's like yeah, 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 yeah. you know that's that's so how it we made felt it made it. perfect sense yeah, yeah. and it's funny I mean, it's it's hard to put your finger on like on paper you can't define why someone qualifies for that we we would call john as a generational athlete that we say is on par with the names you just talking about and can kind of transcend. And it's nothing, it's nothing statistical or any, it's not because you have two world championships or because you're an Olympic athlete. It's because there's something more that you stand for that people resonate with. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we put, <clears throat> we put this out there for John, like, Hey, we're not going to be mad at you if you choose to sign with a surf company and, Take a nice guaranteed contract because that's a pretty easy decision and pretty expected. But like, cool. Who doesn't want mm -hmm. easy? You know, easy is probably the wrong word. <laughs> who doesn't want a bunch of money and be able to retire in you know, five, 10, 10 years, whatever it is. And we kind of just floated this question out there to John is like, Hey John, here's your decision. How much impact do you want to make? Like, again, yeah, no one's mad either way you go, but, is your decision based on impact or, you know, his answer was, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to actually make an impact. And obviously he wants to make a lot of money and we believe this business will make is also a way better path to him making a lot of money down the line. But he had a short term sort of risk analysis to make is like, okay, what do I want to do? And, you know, he truly wants to make an impact. And we're like, mm -hmm. cool. That means you're standing for something. Not like what gives me the biggest paycheck today. You're yeah. like, no, I want to do something meaningful that obviously we believe there's a business model around. And so how do you make an impact with the brand? Yeah. So and, and not a lot of athletes out there willing to make that decision. You know, I mean, that's ultimately it was John's decision that he had to make. And, and we feel like he made the right decision. And if, you know, having him involved has been integral. But if you think about the Jordan model and it didn't feel like there was a lot of disruption happening in the apparel sector, Jordan hasn't played basketball in decades. But the brand, you know, is transcending culturally through performance sports. You know, you have it ending up all the way in global football, soccer, you know, doing collegiate deals. And it's like, that speaks to who Michael Jordan was as a person. Also, his ability to transcend these crazy sports experiences that, you know, 
are radically inspirational. John is of that same caliber. So it's like, that's the work to do. And that's the impact to have. So the impact of inspiring um, people to get out there and, you know, explore their world is something that John is very passionate about from day one. It's like, I want to encourage people to get outside. He is outside doing activities and sports all day long. He's on the water all the time. He's training on his bike. He's like, I mean, the guy just goes, 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 goes. Ultimately, he is like, I, I want people to have the same access I had. He's passionate about the youth and the next generation and empowering them. He's passionate about the planet. So he wants to make the right choices there and do what he can with the brand and his own personal footprint. But also just the ability to have a legacy that inspires people comes back to the level of character that John is as a person kind of what makes him a people's champ. I mean, not yeah, totally. like, you know, when he won his first world title, came back to the North Shore and there was a parade and you have Hell's Angels, you have soccer moms, you have the entire community, all of Sunset Beach Elementary, there are all these kids. This is our guy. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you see these athletes coming from Hawaii that can really transcend to a global sports stage and there's a humble nature about him that makes you want John to win. Yeah. You know, and that's ultimately what led to this is a this is a human that you could build a brand and an experience around that can inspire people and actually have an impact and a positive one. Um, there's not a lot of people like that. Well, I was asking you guys how you were raised and how to clearly you have work ethic and all this other drive, passion. And it's the same thing with John. It's yeah. uh, he was raised by a community. Yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> his mom, certainly not to undermine her role at all, it's significant, but of course she couldn't do it on her own, especially with three kids. And so mm -hmm. to have that community mm -hmm. rally around, yeah. and it's such a unique community. We all kind of have ties totally. to it, and so we all love it. But that is, uh, I think, you can attribute a lot of his values and success to yeah. that, and I think that stays with you. Yeah, absolutely. You're, I think you're totally right there, and you're so. spot on with that. I'll read you this listener email real quickly. It says, DLS, first off, I wanted to say that Real Water Sports is legit. Heard about them on one of your shows. After perusing their website, I found a board that I knew would be amazing in MR slash Mayhem Cali Twin. But wanting to keep my dollars a little closer to home, I called a local surf shop that is a dealer, but they were not able to get specifically what I was looking for without ordering a custom, and I didn't want to wait months. So I went ahead, purchased the board through Real Water Sports, and the board came in perfect condition and sooner than expected. Stoked. That was from listener Chris Martin, probably not the Coldplay lead singer, but who knows. Uh, Chris, I totally understand the impulse to support local, and I encourage it, but Reels' service and inventory is undeniable, and they just simply are a great resource for everyone. Surfboard purchasing and certainly shipping has always been really fragmented regionally, and so to have uh, not everything, but to have a lot of options all in one spot fast, guaranteed, priced competitively with kind of a brick and mortar customer service element is valuable. They also have video tutorials and reviews for a lot of their boards. So if you want to just spend some time on their site getting to know what's what, you can do that as well before you make a purchase. So realwatersports.com, bravo to you. Thanks for the support and enjoy that as a resource listeners, realwatersports.com. 
athleticgreens.com slash surf is our key to health and wellness around our home for this past year and a half. I started taking AG1 in March 2021, and it has been the simplest upgrade that I have ever implemented to my health regime. Everything else takes work. Any level of exercise, even dietary modifications, usually require some additional amount of work, whether it's shopping or meal prep or whatever. And it's almost always the case that the most convenient options are actually unhealthy ones. Well, that's probably the secret to the success of Athletic Greens. I set up a subscription once and I've never thought about it again. A pouch of powder shows up at my door every month. I mix one scoop of it with eight ounces of water every morning. And within 20 seconds, I've got vitamins, minerals, superfood complex, dairy-free probiotics, plant extracts, antioxidants, enzyme and mushroom complex, all perfectly balanced for an optimally functioning gut, immunity, energy, and promotion of healthy aging. So athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal. You will get a year's supply of vitamin D for free and five travel packs. And those travel packs really help stabilize my diet when I am on the road, something that I've always struggled to do. So you can support us and you can find optimal wellness at athleticgreens.com slash surf. Enjoy. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The brand's a year old now. Mm -hmm. Have you hit your marks? Have you hit your targets and goals? Has it done things differently than you expected it to do? Is it successful so far? I'd yeah. say we were a lot more informed than we were a year ago. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, try try doing business in in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's been a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it, we uh, I'll probably butcher the dates a little bit, but we you know originally set out to launch at a certain point. You know that gets delayed six months because of just the supply chain. Yeah, you know, supply chain is probably the word that everyone, not just in our industry, everyone's heard now, and everyone mm. knows there's boats stacked up offshore and all that stuff, and it's like timing of actually delivering product at the right time as intended has been a major major challenge the last two years not just not just for us as yeah. a startup for every Everybody. company in every industry in the world right yeah. now right and so 
that's definitely been uh, been tough. Literally in the last month is the first time, you know, you mentioned we, we launched a year ago. Literally in the last month is the first time we've put product in the marketplace at even close to the right intended time. Okay. <laughs> so we are just getting going and we have, you know, mm. some some great, uh, great things we're proud of are, uh, I think, I believe you're one of our members, our membership yeah. program that's yeah. been like, it was a tough decision for us at the beginning. Like, oh, is that like limiting to people or we, you know, and we're like, no, this membership, like what we want to do with this uh, and building a community and everything we've wanted to do with that has been huge success for us. And, you know, um, yeah, we're, we're really stoked the place we are at. Yeah. Um, yeah, and super grateful for like the the membership base we have right now and the people that are supporting the brand have been so great yeah. on um, being candid, on providing feedback uh, from, you know, coming back from multiple purchases, people just loving certain products. I think there's been a lot of really positive demand. Our challenge has been operational supply. And yeah. so it's like the, the demand has been great. And I think we're learning about the brand position on a day-to-day -day basis and what it can and can't do. And I think, you know, when you think about the brand premise of it starts with John Florence, the solutions are much more utilitarian in nature. So it's utilitarian equipment for sport conditions mm -hmm. leads you to a, a space of it's informed by water slash outdoors, but this is a brand that can go into any modern kind of sport environment. And then you're like, okay, that like the products we're making are those solutions. They're centered around testing with John on the North Shore. He's validating everything in the harshest climates there are in very rigorous outdoor conditions. He's on the water constantly. So he's constantly working on product development with us, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's informing everything we make slash everything we don't make. And I think we're learning about what's this brand not going to do. Yeah. And ultimately getting sharper on what, on what that is. And I think our base so far that has supported the brand has been so awesome because it's really informing a lot of where we're going to go in the future. Yeah. And so this year has been a lot of learning about what this thing could be. Mm -hmm. And I think we're more excited today than we were even in the beginning. Yeah. We've been having a, even some feedback in meetings the last couple of weeks from, you know, external retail partners or whatever. And it's like, Hey, you guys sat here, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, and told us what you're going to do different. You know, this isn't just another surf brand. It's, you know, and now we have your products and it's what you said it was going to be. And you're <laughs> like, wow, yeah, we're actually sticking true to what we said and having that discipline that Ryan's talking about is like, we're making real functional product, mm -hmm. not just going, hey, John's the best surfer in the world. Let's like, if we slap his name on it, maybe we can make some money. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the impact yeah. that no. John wants, yeah. nor do we want. Uh, tell me about Simple. What is the story of Simple? Yeah, so Simple Simple was a brand founded in the 90s. Um, do you remember it back then? I do. Do, do you remember totally. it? You just dated Absolutely. yourself. Yeah, I, I'm fine <laughs> with that. I'm 40. That's yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Simple is one of those brands that, you know, we, I mean, I remembered it. Totally. Um, and it was kind of one of those brands where it's like, where did it go? You never really quite, a lot of brands, you know, before they die, get really tarnished. True. You know, through distribution or licensing deals or whatever. Simple was one of those brands that seemed like it was 
doing really well and they're just kind of like, where to go? Right. So Simple was a brand founded in the 90s by a guy named Eric Meyer, super talented, really smart guy. And it was sort of a like a creative sort of no nonsense type approach to like no BS type of approach to footwear, which was more of a movement. It was super cool. And Northern California, so a little bit of an agrarian slash industrial vibe to it. Um, you know, with things like clogs, you know, it's just like kind of a random issue, mm-hmm. right? Um, but things like that, they're like, oh, it's a work boot bottom with like a leather upper. Um, and Eric, you know, came up with that concept because he wanted to change in and out of his wetsuit without it getting dirty. So just really pragmatic, like product solutions. Anyways, it, it basically hadn't been activated for a while and Deckers had acquired it. And uh, basically the trademark was... Um, reactivated by a guy named Dennis Ryan who manufactured footwear. So he was running a small North America.com business and then approached us and said, Hey, heard you guys might be available. And we were like, yeah, this, we love simple. It's such a great name. It's such a brand that was like, man, that brand's so cool. What could you do with it nowadays if you brought it back? So we did a deal to acquire the trademark for simple because we love the brand. Um, we love what it could be. And this idea of sort of like, Simple and ordinary, but extraordinary is sort of like leading the brand kind of premise on that. This is a brand that's actually positioned in contemporary streetwear that can kind of play around the edges of modern utilitarian if we do it right. And to do that, we're positioning the brand as an ordinary brand, but with a little bit extra. And so um, our approach to product is kind of standard issue. And it's like that the name simple and standard issue and ordinary actually ends up being cool because in contemporary street where the brand is kind of positioned right now, everything's about cool and you people just trying to out cool each other. Mm. And if you're actually like, we're just ordinary, it's actually more cool. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's the exact same when the brand was launched, it was kind of doing the exact same thing where they're the style of shoes at that time were big Yes. Pump pump them up, big, like bulky, flashy. And so simple was in stark contrast to that. It was. And I feel like that's currently happening too. Yeah. When I see whatever Kanye West product it is or whatever, (laughs) I'm just like, God, it's so bulky and (laughs) ugly. And and then simple, it's just streamlined, no nonsense. It's, you know, ultimately it goes back to that name and why we, you know, we, we, what, if you can have a brand that is called simple, that is essentially a, mission statement in its own brand mm-hmm. name and you don't have to make up some funny name that's missing vowels and stuff like you have to do for every brand these days. Totally. Like, <laughs> yeah. Duh. Yeah. Simple. You know? No brainer. So how much is, I forget the guy's name. Eric was the original Eric, guy yeah. and the other guy that bought the license. Dennis brand. Ryan. Dennis. Yeah. Are they still involved at all? Eric. Um, we talked to Eric uh, every once in a while and, and he's been so good on just like where his head was at and certain. So all we're trying to do is mine his original concept and make it for today slash tomorrow. And, and so we've just sort of been taking the last year, distilling that concept down, maybe refreshing some of the products, finding out what's working, what's not. We've been advising with Eric a little bit. He's been kind of um, a good sounding board for us um, on the initial establishing of the brand and reintroducing it. Dennis Ryan is still on as our footwear um, partner. So gotcha. So they do, um, he has a design development company that, that sources a lot of products and develops a lot of products for multiple footwear brands. And then uh, he's still involved in the simple thing. Gotcha. Because, I mean, 
developing a footwear engine from scratch is very challenging. I would think so. Yeah, trying to get capacity and samples and all that kind of stuff booked is like, I mean, you're competing with huge footwear companies that, you know, we're like, oh, we just want like a handful of units. We're just starting. It's like, yeah, good luck. Right. <laughs> uh, who's responsible for the ad current ad campaigns? Because they fall right in line with where they left off in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. They look Thank like the same designers, the same uh, concepts, the same marketing team. Yeah. I mean, all we're trying to do is basically keep the integrity of simple because the brand premise is so refreshing in today's world. Yeah. And it's like, just bring it back. We have, um, uh, a couple people touching that stuff. We have a great team here. We have, we have all kinds of like touch points, but I mean, specifically on brand comms for Florence and simple, um, we have Sean working on that, who you know. Listeners don't, though. Um, and let's actually unpack let's, this a little bit. Is you want to go deep? A little bit. Okay. Who <laughs> did, who, how many employees are there at CanDewey? Okay. And did they come with you from Hurley? How did you make those decisions? Did you leave anybody behind that you wish that you could have brought with <laughs> you because you're just limited in space? Scratch okay. that. How'd you, let's how'd talk you about the team a little yeah. bit. How'd you build the team? Yeah. So, so the team started with uh, myself. Ryan and our brother-in-law Chance, um, and our dad as a those were those were our founders. Is your dad active? Our dad is as active as he wants to be, or we want him to be. And so, depending if he's uh, if he's spending two weeks in G Land, then he's not active for those gotcha. two weeks. But he's <laughs> gotcha. active, but he's active. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. He I doesn't. Mean, yeah, everywhere he goes, he's Bob Hurley. Yeah, so he's, it, yeah, he's representing, you know, our family and and. He is not responsible for the day-to-day -day grind. Yeah. Put yeah. it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's four. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we started working on this, this concept and, you know, deals that Ryan was talking about earlier were falling into place with Florence and Simple and forming this Kandui, um, we had some fortunate timing from uh, the company we used to work at where all of a sudden a lot of people didn't work there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so... You know that really lined up nicely for us. Going, we uh, we're starting something new, and we're able to cherry pick the A team from you know people that we've worked with uh, for you know up to twenty years. So I kind of tell people here is like, hey, we've built a team. We have fifteen people here, most of which we've worked up worked with together for up to twenty years as part of a pretty big company at Hurley that was a part of a giant company at Nike. Now we're all together working on a on a startup or a couple of startup brands and kind of like the dream scenario if you were gonna go yep take that person we'll take that person and you know we have 15 people that are <coughs> partners and investors sorry not not financial investors necessarily uh invested in the success of this of these businesses so like just the emotional like it's such a change of being a part of a big thing and that, you know, big security of, you know, we got Nike bank behind us, you know, mm -hmm. and like you can do, you know, you do bad stuff. Yeah. You're going to get a slap on the hand, but are you going to, I don't know, are you out of business if you made that bad decision? No, not quite. And so to get all that experience energy to start up on something brand new where there's a, a lot more on the line and crazy opportunity yeah. is like really good energy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you said you cherry picked the A-list, but 
we also know there's a number of teams that left who have started brands yeah. of their own. Right. Yeah. Was there anybody who you would have loved to have bring with you, but just simply you couldn't, or maybe you can bring I mean, in the future? Yes, to not to not hurt any feelings. I wouldn't say there were no more A players that don't work here. So <laughs> I would believe everyone we brought in is a yeah a on the A list. Yeah. We also cannot bring 200 people here to start working right now. So <laughs> yes, there are lots of good people that would love to work with. Um, and a, a great group of people started, you know, what you're referring to is a brand called IPD, which was started by, you know, started by that same event of Hurley being sold and, you know, people seeking out new opportunities. And, you know, we kind of, we actually had them here um, two days ago and we kind of, well, we're not officially affiliated anyway, we kind of, view them as our cousin brand. And, oh, really? And actually, they're literally cousins. <laughs> I mean, uncle, uncles and cousins working there. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a number of other people, too, who left and started their own yeah. things. And it all, yeah. they're not necessarily competing brands. They all Definitely. kind of service a little bit different niche right. in the market, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool how you hear this all the time, but like things that seem crazy, like if you're sitting there, you know, whether it's us, probably even more scary for some of the, people that are employed by Hurley for a long time, but it's like companies sold. Oh my gosh, what does that mean for me? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. But then you see all the things that come out of that and you're like, whoa, this has been amazing for a lot of people. Like, absolutely. You yeah. know, what seems like bad things leads lead to of fresh course. starts and new opportunities. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, the reason why I ask that is, um, <laughs> what is the selection process for can in terms of the brands that you decide to bring in under the LLC and work with? Yeah, so I would say right now, you know, we kind of talked about the Can vision a little bit earlier. And I think that's part of the criteria is a complementary network of brands to serve the next generation. So I think that can mean a lot of things on a brand criteria, but I think focusing on what our strengths and core competencies are if there's a brand or an opportunity out there that we think we can develop and provide long-term value in, we'll eventually take those on. Right now, our primary first two investment investments so far have been Simple and Florence. And um, we got our hands full with those, but we're also open to new opportunities. All we're doing is creating a proof of concept on, we've got a platform, we've got a great team, and if we can provide long-term value and grow these things into you know, healthy adult brands. That's what we like to do. Um, are there any other brands that you are looking at currently? I know you're busy right now. Is there anything mm -hmm. in the pipeline? You don't have to name the brands necessarily. Are there categories <laughs> you would like to get into? Like what is the ideal vision for can do? What do you see it doing? Yeah, we, we see there being more brands in our portfolio. Um, in the future, we are not as hard um, in terms of Okay, brand X next year, brand, we're just not, we're not playing it like that. Um, you know, both these, I guess these brands were sort of different, but kind of the same philosophy. If you look at simple, it's kind of like, um, you know, under leveraged asset kind of like, gotcha. hey, that, that thing could be amazing. It used to be really cool. Like, mm -hmm. what could that be? And you're like, that just seems like a no brainer opportunity. Yeah. And then obviously this, this a startup with John similar in that you just see a giant opportunity starting from, from nothing. And, um, yeah, we're not trying to acquire large things and extract value. We're trying yeah. to take under leveraged assets that have a lot of potential or opportunities that 
or concepts that feel like they could develop into something special and create some disruptive change and mine those. You know, there's a lot of models out there where people go and they build, they, they go acquire huge assets that people have created value in and they squeeze the lemon. We're not doing that. We're doing yeah. the opposite. And, yeah. you know, Jeff talks about that all the time. Like we're actually trying to just build and create value. Yeah. It's smart. I think there's a ton of opportunities for you. There's a mm -hmm. lot of those brands mm -hmm. uh, that are in that position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you're smart to, like you said, develop the proof of concept first, mm -hmm. not overextend yourself. Yep. And then you can, again, cherry pick which ones you actually yeah. want to. To answer your, your question directly too, no, there's no big new surprise coming in the next month of us launching a new brand. We're, you know, as Ryan said, we have our hands full with these two and intent to build them what they to what they can be. And we will look at opportunities as they present themselves. You know, we've looked at a few and, you know, slightly entertained and went, nope, yeah. distraction, not right gotcha. opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot to ask when we were talking about Simple, but what is the sales strategy for Simple? Are you direct? Are you going through retail? Well, right now it's mostly direct. Okay. Um, but we're, you know, we are in a couple boutique specialty accounts, um, you know, like uh, Brother Brother in Los Angeles, Garb Store in the UK. So there's some... There's some boutique specialty premium uh, retailers that are we're partnered with. Um, we're running collaborations through them and stuff like that. Um, most of it is .com right now. Gotcha. Okay. And what about for Florence Marine X? We're kind of kind of fifty fifty. So we talked about our membership program and that driving our our .com business. Um, we we. That will continue to thrive, continue to grow, and then there's obvious retail opportunity, whether it's surf specialty, outdoor, um, you know, other other avenues. So, so you are so in retail as well. We yeah yeah. So with with both brands, we in, you know, we like to say you know dot com led, which is really just when we say dot com led, we're really just saying we have a brand proposition that we can bring directly to a consumer because we know that's the right thing to give them. Mm -hmm. By the way, we believe that can work in other markets as well. And we'll, so we kind of drive off that and, you know, leverage that in other markets. So um, we see both brands as, you know, going across all types of distribution in the future. Got it. Yeah. And you are opening a flagship store. We are. Yeah. Give me, yeah. give me the details on that. We, um, you know, we have a store in our offices here. Did we even mention that we are here? No, we didn't. We here. We're where, here. Where we're is here. here? We're here. We're here. So we're in our offices right now. This is this is the Florence Design Studio that we are recording this conversation in. But um, the store that is going up on PCH in Newport Beach, sixty one hundred West Coast Highway, shameless plug is going to be a 600 square foot. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a flagship store, but I would call it a, a store. Pendant store. A pendant store? Right? Yeah, the that's pendant good. that's on your hat? A yeah, burgee, yeah, yeah, we yeah. call it. Yeah, so... Yeah, burgee so, flag. Yeah. Oh, burgee yeah, flag. Yeah, burgee, sorry, yeah. sorry. But no, it's okay. It's also a pendant. It's but, a pendant, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but I would say, yeah, there's, um, you know, it's, I'd call it a community store right here, you know, in Newport yeah, Beach. Good. And um, yeah, we'll be looking to do more kind of pop-ups and retail activations in Hawaii and California for sure. Got it. Um, you mentioned the address. Uh, give, how can people identify the building? Anybody who's driven oh, down yeah. PCH in New, I mean, this is ideal <laughs> yeah. location. Well, you'll, 
you'll see it now because right. there's a giant uh, burgee or pendant, as you uh, referred to it, on the on the wall on PCH. Um, this place was a former iconic location, which was the Army Navy surplus store. And whenever you tell anyone that, they go, "Oh, the place with the dune buggy in the parking lot." And you're like, "Yep, that place." That and place. so, yeah, that's where we are. And you know, it's funny. I like we grew up as kids seeing that thing and like that, that little dune buggy, whatever you call it, thing. I mean, it's it was literally there for the thirty years or something. I remember when I was a little kid. Long like, time, yeah. Oh, that thing's like you're just tripping on that thing, and yeah, so bit nostalgic to now be working here and opening our store in that same spot. It's an incredible space. How did you end up in it? What happened to the Army Surplus store? It was here for decades. Well, uh, there was two things happening in this space. Where we're actually at, sitting right now was formerly a catering kitchen that served, uh, created food for cruise ships in Newport Harbor. COVID happened, that shut down because there was no party cruises going on. So the kitchen unfortunately went out of business the next door business, the Army Navy surplus was struggling uh, as well because of just people coming into stores during that time when everything was getting shut down. So kind of a sad story on, on a landmark location, but also sort of like, hey, here's a new day. Um, we're looking for an office. This seemed central for us. Um, so we liked the location. You know, we talked with the previous tenants and also the landlord and figured out a way to get in here and create an office and a retail store that felt like it was sort of um, positioned pretty well for what we're trying to do. It's an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. So for people who want to uh, come to the Burgey store, it is the Army Surplus location. That yeah, it is. Okay. Situated next to Outpost Liquor, a little north yep. of Cappy's Cafe. Yep, yep. yep. Army <laughs> Navy Surplus. Um, you'll see a big North Shore tested on the wall, which is you know where we're testing our, our Florence products with yep. John. So the, the store is small, but please come by and say yeah, hi. Absolutely. And it opens next week should be open next week softly softly gotcha um (laughs) moving on from business uh give me a sales pitch for why i should be involved in foiling (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay i'll tell you why or do you want people to even get involved no you do okay okay that's actually the why okay yeah yeah every the the whole ocean is a playground so surf spots you know are surf spots get overcrowded and you're bummed when people paddle out because there's only so many good waves in a good surf spot. Foiling just opens up the whole ocean. You can downwind. You, you, it can't be crowded downwinding. I mean, that's literally <laughs> the whole ocean. <laughs> uh, mushy waves turn into good waves. So there's plenty of those. Um, rivers, boats. I mean, literally you can foil anywhere. It's just, it, the playground gets bigger. Okay. I would say. Yeah. All right. Do you, uh, it, the way the passion that you speak about it mm-hmm. makes me feel like your priority is foiling at this point other than surfing or how do you divide that time? Jeff's might be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, mine is, uh, and it's exactly what <laughs> Ryan said. And hey, I've been blessed in my life to surf lots of really good waves all over the world. And I'm not, I don't have that burning desire to go, oh my gosh, I just need one more barrel or like, Maybe I can do, maybe I can do a better turn than I did last time. I'm kind of just like, I kind of done that foiling. So one foiling is a new thing. I feel like I can Mm -hmm. go way faster than I ever went on a surfboard. New challenge. You're kind of like, it's almost like the first time I saw Ryan do this, because Ryan was a little bit ahead of me on this in terms of our foiling journeys. When you catch a wave and you kick out and then you can pump to the next wave, you're like, 
what the heck was that? You just cheated. Like <laughs> it's like unlocking a cheat code or something, and you can, mm-hmm. you know. And but mostly, honestly, the biggest thing is what Ryan said: is you go, you go surf now, and say you got your own little peak, and you're getting some waves, and it's you or you and a buddy or whatever, and someone paddles out, and you're like. Who the heck is this guy? Like, yeah, what's up? You might, you probably don't even say hi to him. You like, he's sitting five feet away from you. You're like um, tunnel vision, like totally. bombed, like, and foiling is literally the exact opposite is you're out there. And if you see another foiler walking down the beach, you can see him coming with their foil and you're like, yes, another one's coming. Right. And then, you know, if there's like 10 of you out there and a set comes, you're like, let's go, let's go. Let's like, yeah, it's yeah, everywhere's a party wave because then you split off and you take your own line and you got all this, uh, it's like yeah. <laughs> so. So, have you foiled at all? No, never. No. Okay. So have you snowboarded? Yeah. Fresh powder. Yeah. So, here's what I would equate it to: you doing a fresh powder run by yourself at the same time, uh, or you do. Let's say you drop in on a fresh powder run. You can either ex- experience it by yourself. Or you and a row of friends can all drop in at the same time and you're kind of looking at each other. All the powder is still fresh. Yeah. So you're not crossing over tracks or anything. <laughs> it's kind of like that with foiling because it's like, it's even more fun when I'm watching somebody foil on the same wave that I'm foiling on totally. and they're not ruining it because yeah. the wave's mushy and barely breaking anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I get kind of like snowboarding in that way and a similar feeling when you carve. It feels like a powder snowboard carve. I'm so much torque. I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm always late to this kind of stuff or like late to accepting it. Um, it kind of looks stupid. So it's, it's kind of thing like it's way more. Yeah, it's f- kind of like rollerblading. Way more fun. Yeah, way more fun <laughs> for the user than the viewer. Okay. You know, like, yeah. like the feeling you get when you're doing it is totally different than what it looks like. I, enough people have spoken about it the same way that you have. Yeah. That <laughs> I'm, I'm already sold on it. Um, but it's funny the way, the way that you're talking about it. Mm is like people, I talked to these old timers who got into surfing in the 50s and the 60s, yeah. and they were like, they'd see another guy show up with a board on his car, and they wave yes. to him like, hey, yeah, come, here. let's go over <laughs> exactly. here, let's do it, because yeah. it was so novel and uncrowded that yeah. there was plenty of waves to go yeah. around. Yeah. Now it's the exact opposite, but foiling is. Yeah, it just opens that? everything up. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, and it's good for surfing too, because now you got people that are like, oh, I'd rather go foil than surf, and mm-hmm. so surf spots you know, that typically would be crowded are like, People are foiling mushy waves down the beach. Hopefully. Yeah. As long as they don't come Hopefully. over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So we do run into that. Yeah, too. I mean, there's no there's no reason to foil waves that right. people are surfing, really. I mean, you don't want the same waves anyway. Totally. Uh, final question for everybody interviewed is just who, what boards are you riding right now? Surfboards. Whose boards are you riding? <laughs> what was the last board you had? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Neither of us has been spending a lot of time on real surfboards. These and I say real because you know I'll go. I've probably ridden a softboard more times when I'm going surf, surfing, no way. whether it's in Hawaii or here, because there's, I don't know, dumpy closeout barrels or whatever, and you know jump in the water. Uh, when I do ride a shortboard, I'll ride a or a regular board. I'll ride a Pizel mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm riding a regular board, it's a Pizel. If I'm surfing, it's a Wavestorm. Wow. Usually nine times out of 10. Wow. Or uh, just because you're that just top. over the crappy surf. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we just talked about the foiling, but it's foiling completely fascinating. It changes your point of view, at least for me, completely changes my point of view yeah. on like what you're trying to do. Because like all of a sudden, sur- 
some guy surfing all of a sudden starts to look really silly. Like I see little like wiggles and gyrations and you're like, dude, I just stand there and I go 10 times as fast as you, you know? <laughs> I, so I've had Dave Parmenter on the show a lot and uh-huh. he came to that exact conclusion d- mm. decades ago, not through foiling, but uh-huh. through, um, open ocean paddling, yeah. kayaking, uh-huh. yeah. canoeing, all this other stuff. And he's referred to it one time. He's like, I don't have any interest in playing in the shore break anymore. Yeah. And, <laughs> Totally. Traditionally, I thought shore break was like wedge or something. Mm. No, he's talking about any of the waves out here <laughs> that are even breaking yeah. are shore break. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mile off mm. catching these things, going miles down yeah. the way. You know, yeah. like that. The ocean just opened yeah. up. Yeah, it's, and it's, you're riding you're riding the ocean in different ways. And he's yeah. like, yeah. and his awareness, the aperture just opened to where he's looking at things that are yeah. 400 yards off, getting to it and picking that up. So when you go into the shore break now. It's like a set yeah. wave that's coming 20 yards out is like, no, that's nothing, you know? <laughs> he's reading a lot more. But how is it that you haven't convinced Pat? Because he just oh, went surfing. He seems like he surfs more than anybody. He's always in the water. He's, yeah. We, we got Pat on a foil a couple of years ago. He's not in. Got it? some blackmail videos. If you okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, he's, he's it's definitely, never... a, yeah, it's a steep learning curve. That's the thing. Your first... 10 times are the worst thing in the world. Yeah, learn behind a boat or a jet okay. ski if you yeah. can. Okay. Because then you get you get it. It's like riding a bike a little bit. Crazy at first, and then once it clicks, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. And then you won't know how to surf anymore. That's yeah. the other downside. Yeah, you're toast. You literally forget how to surf. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this has all been great information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take you anytime. We got, okay. We got like a, One, two, a good starter pack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Much better than Ryan and I learned how to. Okay. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Young boy done me bad. When it did you wrong? Young boy done me bad. I went and did you wrong. And I got high eyes. Lord, I got high. Now I got a bone to pick with you. And I'm sure you're not true. Oh, and Thank you, Hurley Brothers. Everything that we've discussed herein is available on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Both Billabong and then Hurley were brands that were so woven into my youth, on through my teen years and into adulthood. So it's really incredible to kind of track that journey and now to get to know these guys, um, see behind the scenes, see their successes, and even include them as a partner in this podcast has been pretty radical for me. So congratulations to the Hurley family on decades of great work and also fantastic contributions to surfing. And tangentially to this conversation, we are giving away a Pizel Shadow on August 1st. Of course, we do this for our podcast supporters. Uh, just as a thank you for the support and a way to kind of highlight surfboard shapers that we know and love. And so, as I've stated, this is actually a trade-in, one of John John's trade-ins, which is pretty awesome. It's 6.0. The actual dimensions are available on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Just go to the support page and uh, you'll see that listed there. And you can also set up your support. So we're going to pick the winner on August 1st. 
And um, if you already support our work, then you're already entered to win it automatically. And if you don't support our work, but you want to get in on this, just set it up before the final minute of July on Pacific Standard Time. And then on uh, August 1st, we'll just randomly select a winner. So uh, good luck with that. It is an epic board, and Pizel will ship it to you wherever you are in the world directly from his headquarters and uh, factory on the North Shore of Oahu. So good luck. And a new episode of Spit drops later today. The Grit with Chaz Smith coming at you tomorrow. And lots more episodes of everything that we do coming at you weekly thanks to your support. I'll be back here next week on Surf Splendor with Debbie Gordon of GNS Surfboards. But until then, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor reminding you to get back into the ocean, to share some waves, and of course, to shred on.